because we know that it is the center of the earth, but you are all very welcome to our house. And, uh, and so, uh, but I'd like for us if we could go to Psalm 25, if you would, and uh, I'll just begin to read while you make your way there. And, uh, and yes, so uh, open up to Psalm 25, and I'm, just, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I pray you brought your Bibles with you and a notebook and pen. And, um, and so I'm just going to whisk through a couple of things and paraphrase a little as I go. So it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Going down there now, it says uh, in verse 7, Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. And uh, the, in verse 14, a, a famous verse here, it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. And for he will pluck my feet out of the net. In verse 16, Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with a cruel, cruel hatred. And so... Just to paraphrase very quickly some of those things there, this is a psalm of David, and it's penned when his enemies have raised their ugly head. Who's got a few enemies, and how come all of our enemies seem to have ugly heads? And when his own sin had come to remembrance, when we that happens, doesn't it? And and there is an affliction of us when our own sin in the midnight hour comes to remembrance, and when he felt desolate. This is David, the shepherd boy who became king, and he was afflicted. In verse 16, he says, The troubles of my heart became enlarged. And so in his thinking and in his mind, his troubles had become bigger than Ben-Hur. His call, his cry to God was, Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins, it says in verse 18. Verse 19, My enemies are many, And they hate me with a cruel hatred. And then he says, keep my soul and deliver me. What a a cry in that psalm. And you know, if you've lived a bit of a life, you can reflect and you can identify with some of those things that David had thought. And so we see in Psalm 25, David reflects on his life. Come on in, come on in, make yourself at home. You're very, very welcome here. And so we see in Psalm 25... David reflects on his life as we often do when hardship comes. And hardship comes to us all. There's one of the promises in the Bible says, and Jesus said himself, he says, the storms in life will come. And so hardship in life is often a great time to assess and look at life through a sober and humble lens. Who knows that hardships in life are a sobering thing and they cause us to reflect on our own life. And uh, it reminds me uh, this afternoon when I was penning some of these notes, it reminded me of Alfred the Great. Who's heard of King Alfred the Great? One of England's greatest kings. And uh, he lived in the time and ruled between 871 and 900 AD. And he was a scholar and a statesman and a king. He just wasn't a brutal medieval king, 
but he was a thinker, an astute man, and actually King Alfred was a very, very godly man. And he was driven into the marshlands of southern England by the Danes, and you and I would know them as the Vikings. Who remembers the Vikings when you're and, uh, watching movies as a kid, and we saw the dragon ships come across, pillaging, plundering everything that came in their way? And, uh, but Alfred himself, he was described as a shining light in a dark age, and he was. And it seems like throughout every age, God has got a shining light, and Alfred was one of those men. But in the midst of this horrendous time, when he was driven into the marshlands of southern England, he said, he penned it down, he says, in the midst of prosperity, the mind is elated, and in prosperity... A man forgets himself. In hardship, he is forced to reflect on himself, even though he be unwilling. And you can find that historical document in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle and the Doomsday Book. But it's true of us all. It's been said that when the outlook is bleak, it is when we consider to consider the uplook. Isn't that interesting? When the outlook is bleak, we consider the uplook. When we've exhausted all earthly help, we begin to look up. And I pray that's, that's where we're going to come in Australia today. And so I'd like to go to uh, Luke chapter 21, if you wouldn't mind. Luke chapter 21. And in verse 25, you can see that there will be... This is written in red, and it says, talking about the coming of the Son and Man and the perilous times that will soon be on the earth. And it says, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaming. It says, Men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's a promise. Jesus said it will. He says, The powers of the heavens will be shaken, how much more so the earth. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But listen to this in verse 28. Now when they see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Beautiful promise, isn't it? Look up and live for your redemption draws nigh. And so... And so look up and live, says Ergon Energy. And they plagiarized that scripture from Luke 21, amen? That's what they did. Ergon Energy plagiarized the Bible. And any man of wisdom would do that. In regard to Psalm 25, verse 1, I love it. It says the New Living Translation is very unique in its writing. And it makes it very, very clear and spells this verse out of uh, 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 Psalm 25, verse 1. It says... Oh Lord, I give my life to you. Is there anybody here who's given their life to the Lord? Oh, I trust you all have. And if you haven't, tonight is a good night to do that. He says, David said, Oh Lord, in the midst of all the adversity that is coming his way, it's amazing when we're being humbled by life that we begin to look up and begin to live. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. I would say that most of us are like the rest of us. When the pressure is on, when our human resources fail, 
when the arm of the flesh no longer has any strength in it. When I was 30 years old, it seems like I read through my diaries from years. I've never lost a diary from 1987 till now. And I look through and what I could accomplish in the day. And I look back now and I think, how did I do that? And I never even used to count my strength of the day, the resources, physical strength. I never even used to regard it as a resource. I just thought I would always have that amount of strength and I would always have that amount of endurance. A few more years and a few more years and a few more decades and I realised that that was a lie. And we don't have all that strength and resource indefinitely. It is but for a moment in time. Uh, Isaiah 40 verse 8, in regards to the things that surround us, he says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We all fade and go the way of the earth. But when the pressure is on, when our human resources fail and uh, our strength begins to wane, we begin to look heavenward, amen? And that's a good place to be. It's in this moment of intense need that we all like David, like in this psalm here, the worshipping shepherd boy who became king rededicates his life to God. Can you reflect on your own salvation? Can you reflect on the time when basically most of us are like the rest of us, very few people come to their senses like the prodigal son. And I'll be preaching that on Sunday, a, ki- a nation, a king and a son, all coming to their senses. And, uh, and David at this point in time rededicates his life to the Lord. Oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Oh Lord, I give my life to you. David offered up his life saying, I am completely dependent on you. Have you ever prayed that prayer? That's what that psalm is saying there. Lord God, I give my life to you and I am dependent on you. David writes in Psalm 51, the same author here, after his sin against God and Bathsheba. And he says in Psalm 51, verse 16, For you did not desire sacrifice. In other words, that is an animal sacrifice that he's talking about. The Old Testament sacrificial system of slaying a calf or a sheep or a goat. And he says, or else I would give it to you. You see, David realized it wasn't a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice that God wanted. And he says, you do not delight in burnt offering. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. And when you come to God with great humility, the Lord will not wise turn you out. The Lord will receive you. It's a promise from God. You come to God in repentance and he will receive you. David says here in Psalm 25, so easy to gloss over, that does not offer a burnt offering, but in the hour of intense and immense need. Perhaps you've been there. He gives his own life as a living sacrifice to God and places his life entirely on the mercy of God. God is a merciful God, and he will by no means turn you away when you come to him in repentance. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he urges us all, to do the same thing. Let's go there. And you'll see it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James here. So it may vary slightly from your Bible, but we'll say the same thing. 
And Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, in other words, he's talking to you and I. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And he goes on to say in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a perfect will of God for each and every one of us. Many people talk these days a permissive will of God. In other words, somewhere living in the kingdom of God, somewhere in the paddock. But God has a perfect place for you. There is a perfect will for you. Amen? And, uh, and the word of God is very, very clear about that. And so here in, the, in that Psalm 25, so easy to gloss over, David says, I give you my life. Basically, as saying, as a living sacrifice. Amen? Your life and mine is a living sacrifice unto God. And so, and God is faithful to his word. For his mercy endures forever. For his mercy endures forever. Did you hear what I say? I said that the Lord's mercy endures, endures forever. And Psalm 136, 26 times in 26 verses, it says, for the Lord's mercy endures forever. 26 times. Can you believe that? And, and uh, I know that repetition is a keynote of learning, but that's ridiculous. 26 times in 26 verses, the Lord says in his word that his mercy endures forever. I got an idea, idea he wants somehow for us to know that his mercy endures forever. When you come to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you've done. Amen? And I'm being the same. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Not one person. Not one person. And so in Deuteronomy 33, 26, and it says, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun. That's a sort of a poetic way of saying Israel. Who rides the heavens to help you. Oh, isn't that a good, uh, we've, we've gone over this scripture before, but it's a favorite of mine now. And in his excellency, excellency on the clouds in verse 27 the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms there's an old school song talk uh, sung about the everlasting arms of God but can you see this picture I see him on this white charger as you see him in the book of revelations riding across the heavens to help you all he wants to help you today he rides across the heavens to help you Jeremiah penned, I think he wrote Lamentations. In chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, Though the Lord, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, it says, because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's grace, God's ability, God's dunamis power is available to you, new and every day. That's his grace. But it also says that so is his faithfulness and his compassions towards us. If you've got an idea that God is a grumpy old guy living in the sky or something like that, it is not biblical. Not biblical. God is a compassionate God and God is a merciful God. And the greatest and most powerful word in the English language, it's an Australian word, actually, it's fair dinkum. And it says, if you be fair dinkum with God, he'll be fair dinkum with you. 
am I speaking to any Aussies here in the place tonight? I mean, God wants to be fair dinkum. And if you be fair dinkum with God, he will be fair dinkum with you. Amen? Last Sunday, the message brought was titled, Called Out of the World, Citizens of Heaven. Oh, it was a great message because it was totally biblical and totally scriptural. I use heaps of scriptures when I bring the word of God because it says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The power of God's word declared over your situation can change your situation, can change your life, can change your finances, can change your health, can change your wealth, can change your relationships. Look to God, grab hold of his promises. This here is a book of good promises. But it's locked up in this book and it says, but the power of God is released when the declared word of the Lord over your situation will bring deliverance. Amen? Don't leave this word of God just wrapped up in here. It is to be declared. The word of the Lord is to be declared. And that's why I encourage when you grab hold of the promises, God, I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? You can declare those things over your life today. But as a living sacrifice, we often, when things come good, we crawl off that altar that was so sacred at the time and reinstate ourselves as king. Who's come to the bone of their, of their pants, amen? Who's worn out their pants and their backslidings and, they, and the things have gone so bad and all of a sudden we look up and the Lord delivers us, Amen. The Lord delivers us out of our situation. I've seen this over and over again. And the Lord has been so gracious and so merciful. And the Lord has poured out that blessing and he's reinstated these people. And all of a sudden they begin to get their square shoulders back up. They begin to walk differently and talk differently. And all of a sudden they're riding high again. And all of a sudden they don't need God anymore. Who's ever, been, who's ever seen that tragic story when God has, has reached down and got somebody out of the miry clay and brought them up and reinstated them. And the father has put his gown around them and he's given them his signet ring. And then they begin to walk proudly again and can do away with God. Sort of reminds me of a joke, really. It says this guy driving down the shopping centre here and he raises his voice for the first time. He doesn't look like... There's so many cars around the place. So he calls out to the car park, God, and says, Lord, I need a car park. My leg is broken. I can't walk very far. And immediately a car in front of him pulls out. He says, don't worry, God, I'll get it myself. (laughs) How often we can become like that, though, you know? God hears the desperate cry. I need a car park. And the Lord gives it to them. But they say, oh, no, it's okay. I'll get it myself. We're not like that, are we? (laughs) We're not like that, are we? Oh, yes, how quickly we become proud. And in the days of abundance, when you have a look at history, and I like a little bit of history, I never pretend to know a lot about it, but I have an interest in it. But you can see the rise and fall of empires over over the, not decades, but over the thousands of years. We see the rise of the Egyptians and the Assyrians the rise of the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Romans and the Greeks and so forth. But empires come and empires go. Is it but the word of the Lord endures forever, amen? The word of the Lord endures forever. But the bringing down of, of, of the Carthaginian empires and all so many, many others, so many of the Hittites and all, this, and all of them, but they rise and fall. 
And uh, pride is one of the greatest things that brings any empire down. And they rarely crumble from without, but from within. The Roman Empire could be said to have fallen from within. We see Western civilization crumbling before our very eyes right now, but it's crumbling from within. From within our universities, from our, within our political systems. And pride settles in and does its destructive work. But I pray that you remain humble in the Lord's sight. Amen? Remain humble. Humility is a great place to be before the throne, before the throne. The Bible says in Colossians 3.3, Paul said, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That prayer of faith when you receive salvation was at the altar of sacrifice. We forget about that. We say, I just prayed this prayer of salvation. But it was more than that. It was at the altar of sacrifice. And that old man, that old nature, died at that point in time and, you, and we became a new creation or new creature in Christ Jesus. And the breath of God came into us and we became a living being, amen, created in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26, 27. That paradise lost was lost in the Garden of Eden but it was recreated in us anew when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And we became that God-like man, amen? Made in the image and likeness of God, and we're given dominion at that point in time over all the earth. You and I have been given that authority and dominion at the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, but you gave up on that old life And it was sacrificed at that place itself. Do you truly desire to give yourself up to God? And it's not something just for to to bring a message to somebody who does not know God. Sure, it's part of the message, but it is also a reminder to you and I here today and to those listening online. Perhaps you've prayed the prayer, perhaps you're living for God. But do you truly desire to give yourself up to God? Because it's 100% scriptural that you do. In the book, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ, by Jean Guion, and I would recommend that book to anybody. It's written about 500 years ago, a French lady, actually. And she said, do you truly sincerely desire to give yourself up to God? I read this remarkable little passage here, which I'll recall to you here. And she said, then I must remind you that once you have made that donation, you cannot take that gift back again. Once the gift has been presented, it no longer belongs to the giver. Isn't that a remarkable note? Once the gift has been presented, it no longer belongs to the giver. And you see here that David gave his life to God. When you and I received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we gave our life to God. And so the giver then, we give it to Jesus, but once that gift of life that is ours has been presented, it no longer belongs to us. And so our life is hidden with Christ in God, so it's not your life anymore. You and I think we just live our own life, but that's not scriptural. Our life now belongs to Jesus. 
And that is a remarkable way to live. And so when giving of any gift, possession, uh, possession then transfers in a moment of time. And so the giving of our life to Jesus Christ is a far more serious consequence than we first believe. We give our life to Christ and our life then becomes his and we give up that authority over our own life, giving up of your rights and privileges. Last Sunday, we talked about being a citizen of heaven and our passport reads now, not a citizen of Australia, not a citizen of any country on earth, but a citizen of heaven. That is our, what our passport now reads. And we are sojourners and traveling through in this life, no longer a citizen of any country. And why, as a believer, do we sometimes feel a little bit out of place, sometimes displaced? Is because our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not here. We should feel out of place because we are in the world, but not of the world. Makes sense, doesn't it? And so giving up your rights and privileges, our ownership, even of our own life, is relinquished at the moment the gift is given. We give our life to Jesus and the ownership of our own life is relinquished unto the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? That your life is no longer your own. And so what a serious calling it is. Rights and privileges foregone, forgotten, and we become abandoned unto God. Amen? Abandoned. Abandoned from the world, but abandoned unto God. A bit like separated from the world, but separated, separated from the world, but separated unto God. You're not just separated from the world. It doesn't stop there. The good news is that you're separated unto God. Our citizenship, our identity in the person of Jesus Christ. My life hid with Christ in God. Just as Jules comes to the keys, if she wouldn't mind. In 1 Corinthians 6.19... 6, and it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 1 Corinthians 6.19. So this is the Apostle Paul writing this scripture. And verse 20, it says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we can see that our lives are not our own, we'll live a little, a lot differently. You and I were purchased at the slave market of sin. And we, in fact, were shackled to sin with no means of being free. That's where we were. But Jesus purchased us with his own blood. Amen. You and I were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ at a slave market to sin and we had neither the capacity nor the ability nor the power to be set free from sin but when we became the purchased possession of Jesus Christ he cut the shackles of sin from our life with the blood amen with the blood oh it's a good life to live it's a good life to live the other aspect to this thing is we're no longer a volunteer People think I was just a volunteer. I put up my hand and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I speaking at this point, I just see that a, a soldier who volunteers, the moment that he does so, relinquishes his right to be a volunteer because then he is conscripted 
into the army of God. Amen? No longer a volunteer. And so then we are become soldiers of the cross. No longer volunteers, but then conscripted. Our volunteer status finishes when we come to the altar of sacrifice. And we can say like we did in Sunday school a couple of years ago for some. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Oh, some people remember their Sunday school days. Matthew 10, 39. I'm going to round up right now. He who finds his life will lose it. This is what Jesus said. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And the whole concept of doing anything sacrificially in this almost totally is almost totally foreign in this 21st century. We don't know what it is to sacrifice anymore. It's a, it's a lifestyle of convenience. If we were to help anybody out, it would be always if I could fit it in with my program, if, it, if I'm on my way to, I'm on my way back. But how many times, have, how many people have ever fueled up their car and made a special trip to go and see somebody to speak to them about the Lord. That's a sort of sacrificial lifestyle I believe the Lord wants to reintroduce, reintroduce back into His church. And the sacrificial lifestyle is almost totally non-existent in this Western lifestyle that we all live. But I believe there's a fire that can come upon a sacrifice. And I recall the times of my greatest sacrifices when the, when the Lord asked me to do things and people have not known the expense to which I have been asked to do those things but I have been so so blessed when I did and I was the greatest beneficiary I received the greatest blessings and we see people who go to conferences who travel a thousand kilometers to get there and when the doors open the person who's traveled the furthest is always the first to arrive and the bloke who comes from around the corner, he often skips in about 20 minutes late. There's no sacrifice, but there was, and there was no, I don't know, there was no fire on it. But I want to say that there's great blessings when we, when we begin to live a sacrificial life for Jesus, a sacrificial life for others. And when William Booth sent a text all around the world to his leaders, not a text it was, it was a telegram when you paid by the letter. Extremely expensive in those days. And he only wrote one word, and it was others. That's all he said. And that sacrificial lifestyle, I want to tell you there, lose your identity, give your life to Jesus. And the Bible speaks nothing of lending our life to the Lord. I've never given an altar call about coming and lend your life to the Lord. The Bible says to give your life to the Lord. David said, I, in Psalm 25 verse 1 in the New Living Translation, and it's, it is a good translation on that very verse. On that very verse, when you read the, the New King James, in that verse you can, you can see where they get that from. When you have a look at those original Hebrew meanings. He gave his life to the Lord and trusted in his God. He never lent his life to the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. And because we're a living sacrifice, sometimes we crawl off that altar. But I want to say tonight is a good day to get back to that place and give your life wholly 
and solely to God. Will you do that today? Father, in the name of Jesus, let's be upstanding. I'll close now. There is people here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And perhaps you want to rededicate. There'll be people listening online tonight and you're running along the beach. You're at the gym. Perhaps you're in the kitchen. And, uh, but I believe you need to rededicate your life back to God based upon what we've talked about this morning. A sacrificial life that my life was, is hid with Christ in God. And you make him CEO, the managing and director of your life. And that is the status till the, Lord, the day the Lord brings you home. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this body of believers, Father. This word, Father God, that you want to build into our life tonight. I pray, Father, bring a revelation, Lord. And let an inspiration come by the power of your Holy Ghost. Reveal, Father God, to our hearts, Lord God, the meaning, Lord of God, this word of giving our life wholly and solely to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, seal that word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to give your life to the Lord tonight, perhaps you'd like to rededicate your life to the Lord tonight. I want to say you're amongst friends here in this place. If you've never given your life to Jesus, take a bold step and just put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. And uh, that's the most courageous thing and it is the best decision that you could ever, ever, ever make. I made that decision over 30 years ago now. And uh, I want to say it is the best decision that I ever have made in my life. I'm going to ask you to do something and be very, very courageous. I ask you just take the boldest thing, the most courageous thing you could do. Just step right down to the front tonight. Just step right down to the front. And I would like to join my faith with yours and pray with you tonight. It's a good time. It is a good time. Take a take a couple more steps forward if there's anybody else you want to give your life to Jesus today is a great day to do it it is a great day to do it the Bible says that today is the day of salvation it also says seek the Lord while he may be found I want to tell you that Jesus is in the house and he will meet you exactly where you are tonight this is a good day angels are celebrating but this is only the beginning of your walk with God because he wants you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ not just say a prayer and go on living but to repent of your sin ask the Lord to forgive you of our sin is all part of it ask Jesus to come and live in your life and I guarantee your life will be transformed if it comes from the depths of your heart just ask Jules to lead the rest in worship and keep in an attitude of prayer and also of faith in Jesus' name.
Oh, oh, oh. 